0: Okay. Hi, I'm Walt Ruffier, Executive Director of The Generator here at Condé Yards, and you're watching A Student's Perspective.
1: Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to A Student's Perspective, the weekly series that connects students with designers, manufacturers, educators, industry professionals, and design media celebrities to hear their stories on just how they've gotten to where they are now. Through our conversations, we connect the past, present, and future of design to show just how much we can learn from each other to grow towards our fullest potential without prescribed limitations. Think of a student's perspective as a weekly design lecture series from the student's point of view. A student's perspective is a division of the nonprofit University Hall of Innovation, whose goals are to connect students with the design industry through design challenges and mentorship and a collaboration with the Marywood University Interior Architecture Program in Scranton, Pennsylvania. All interviews can be found in their video format at www.astudentsperspective.tv. For more information or sponsorship inquiries, please contact University Hall of Innovation at gmail.com.
2: So, hello. Today we are at uh, the 2022 High Point Market in High Point, North Carolina. And um, we are with the executive director of The Generator, uh, and I am Katie. I'm Courtney. And um, would you just like to start us off by introducing yourself and giving us a little bit about your background?
0: Uh, Yeah. Um, I was uh, born and raised in Rochester, New York, and been up there up until about two and a half years ago. Uh, My career has been all in the metalworking industry and I've done pretty much everything there is to do in that and when we moved down here um, it was a little difficult at first to find work uh, but this opportunity came up and I've been a lifetime woodworker so this kind of brought both halves of that together and it's, uh, it's been a good good match.
3: Good. So, can you just give a little bit of an introduction as to what the generator is for those that are listening?
0: Sure. Yeah, the generator is an initiative of Business High Point in partnership with SCM Woodworking Technologies. Uh, and our goal is to try to bring this level of technology to the small and mid sized furniture companies who either can't afford to buy this kind of equipment or can't really keep it busy, don't have enough work to keep it busy. So they can expand their designs, they can expand their offerings uh, just by bringing the parts they can't make themselves to us and we can do those for them. And we also uh, are trying to help, it's very difficult to get prototypes made uh, for the designers, uh, furniture designers or interior designers to get a custom piece made. It's, it, sometimes it's hard to get done. So we also try to fill that niche. Very nice.
3: So what was it like transitioning from your past experience with metalwork and woodworking into what you're doing right now? Uh,
0: It was pretty easy, actually, because I'm used to this level of equipment, um, and I've done my time as a programmer, so learning particular software for each of these machines was no big deal. And I'm familiar with wood and cutting is cutting so whether it's metal or wood or plastic or what have you it's, it's all just kind of a variation on the same thing.
2: I was going to ask um, how did you get started in woodworking? You said it was kind of a lifetime mm-hmm. that you worked with so how did you get into woodworking?
0: Well I actually started in high school. Uh, I don't know if they still even have it in high school but they had wood shop, You know it was one of the electives for in, in the higher grades. And so I took that, and uh, just kind of fell in love with it. Oh. So I actually built a, an electric guitar, and, uh, and woodshot. Oh,
2: really? That's so cool. <laughs> wow. Wow. The
0: body, just the body part. Yes.
2: So.
3: Great. So. so, what was? the capabilities like or i should say what are the capabilities like for the local community as well as maybe anywhere else in the world that are anyone that's looking to come gain this resource that's available Mm -hmm. at at this point
0: well it's very easy actually if you're here or anywhere close by and can travel uh, it's always nice to meet somebody face to face so that you can go over their their, uh, their design, and I always tell people you can bring me anything from a, a 3D model to a pencil sketch on a napkin, and it, you know, if if that's all you have, we'll help you flesh it out and get it to the point where we can import it into the machines. Yeah. For anybody that's not close, uh, they can just contact me directly and send me the uh, the details on their project. And we can just go from there. And anybody that wants to have something done can come. You know, you don't have to be a business. Mm-hmm. So if it's an individual built a table in his garage and just needs it sanded, you know, they're welcome to bring it down. and We'll wow. work for them.
3: Yeah. So it's really like a collaborative environment. I feel like from what you're saying, it's, you know, anybody can really come in and have an idea and do they work specifically with you? Do you flush out the ideas with them or just kind of see what they're looking for and then kind of be that backbone as to how, you know, okay, we're going to use this machinery. Mm -hmm. We're going to use that, or maybe give a suggestion here or there. What does that look like?
0: Well, that's something that I do directly because part of my experience, my previous experience was in design for manufacturing. Okay. So when somebody brings me their idea, you know, it's their design, but it doesn't necessarily adapt well to being made. So we can make those changes we can go back and forth with them on their design to get it to the point where it's manufacturable. At that point, I already know what machines it's going to go through, so I can work up pricing for them for one piece or a, or a hundred.
2: How many different, um, I don't know really how to ask this question, how many individuals or companies come in and ask for your help to create these pieces? Um, do you have like maybe like a number of like how many come in um, each month or like each year?
0: Well, we've only been open for less than a year. Oh, okay. We opened officially last October, last market. Yeah. Um, so in that time and slightly before it, we probably got um, 20 different clients, wow. individuals or companies that we currently have done work for, yeah. or or are in the middle of doing work for. Oh, very
4: nice.
3: And with that said, I mean, was there a realization that there was a need for this specific resource within the community, and then it kind of just developed from there, or, you know, was it just the start of an idea that said, oh, well, High Point with the market, the capabilities surrounding that, that in this area, was that something that, how was that like?
0: Well, when they were initially planning this building renovation, uh, and it's managed by the chamber, by the Business High Point Chamber of Commerce, uh, they had, as part of a workforce development, an idea to put a makerspace somewhere in here where people could come and use the equipment. And when word got out, a couple of young gentlemen, Justin Stabb and Taylor West, Taylor is a furniture designer and Justin owns his own business doing custom millwork and, and more they had the idea to up that and put in commercial equipment and instead of tailoring it toward the individual, tailor it toward building or businesses. Uh, So that was the initial idea to create the generator and they actually went out and found SCM and brokered a deal with SCM to supply the equipment for it. So that's where that, the partnership started. And, uh, we all thought that it would be a great idea. And as soon as we were open, even our soft opening, as soon as we were, we started getting inundated with, with work. So we're in the middle of an expansion right now. So we're mm-hmm. going to a second location and putting additional equipment in there to help with the, yeah. the throughput.
2: Yeah, where is that second location? So
0: do you know? Honestly, I'm not sure. Exactly. <laughs> it's disclosed. <laughs> it's a
2: disclosed location. I'm just
0: not sure where the building is. It's only about five minutes away. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But I haven't. I've only been there once.
3: Now, is it a larger location, a smaller one for more, you know, circulation? Is we it... will
0: be uh, leasing like about 25,000 square feet. Okay. This here is, is six. Okay. So it, it's much larger. It'll we'll be more conducive to production style. Sure right. You know, so. Yeah.
3: Right. So maybe since with the you know the closer location, maybe just an extension off of the original. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And
0: we'll try to keep the the high volume stuff over there. Yeah. And we'll do the uh, the low volume prototype and, uh, here.
3: Great. So with that being said, um, can you just kind of backtrack and explain maybe what machinery you specifically have within the generator, and maybe how you came to realize that those were the specific machines that you wanted to incorporate?
0: Okay. Um, As far as what I wanted to incorporate, uh, SCM offered this list of equipment, and they did that before I was even part of the the team here, but I'm very happy with what they did offer because Mm -hmm. it's awesome. So what we have is uh, there's one three-axis router, and I don't know if you know what that is, but it's got a tool that sticks straight down, and it goes back and forth in and out and up and down, Those are the three axes. Then we have a five-axis router, which does everything the first one does, except it'll also tilt that tool and rotate it. So between those two features, you can get to anywhere, pretty much anywhere on a part and yeah. machine it. So you can do true three, okay. uh, 3D parts on there. And you can actually pass it from one set of clamps to another so you can machine it all the way around. Uh, then we have a case clamp for clamping up case goods, cabinets, bookshelves, that, that sort of thing. We have a bore and dowel machine, which is used for putting dowels in the edge of parts so that it can match up to holes in the side of parts when you put it together. Uh, we have a wide belt sander that's 52 inches wide and has a, a, a veneer setting where it just barely touches the material, or a hardwood setting where it takes up to 30 thousandths of material off at, at a time. Then we have a couple of classic machines: a jointer, 20-inch wide jointer, a 24-inch wide planter, planer, table saw, sliding table saw, and another five-axis router that I haven't been fully trained on yet, so I can't use it yet. But it's uh, it's different from the first one in that it has a much higher Z axis, so you can put you could carve a statue in there if you wanted to. Yeah. Wow. And Let's see, the only thing left is the beam saw, which is a workforce for us. Its primary purpose is to break down sheet goods. You tell it what size sheet you're putting in and what size parts you want it to finish up in. And it decides the best way to do that with the minimum waste.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you do, and shows you a picture of how to load the sheet. So you just put it in there and let it go.
3: Wow, so it seems like there's so many capabilities and opportunities for what can be produced within the generator itself.
0: Pretty much. I mean, within the, the confines of the size of the machine, um, and they're pretty large, pretty large machines, um, we can do pretty much anything. Yeah.
3: Do you feel like there's any limitations with that, or you know, has there been a project so far that has come in that you said, maybe we don't have those capabilities mm-hmm. for doing it?
0: Uh, The one thing, there's a couple minor pieces of equipment that I want to augment, Mm. Uh, but the one thing we can't do at all right now is turning. So, uh, pieces, table lights, things like that, uh, we can't do right now, so that's something that's on my radar, I want to get a CNC uh, turning center where you can, so you can pretty much do anything.
2: Yeah, and with the extra space you'll have room for the new machines exactly great so
3: something that you stated which is which I find really interesting is just the idea of I guess maybe that lack of that circulation that you're trying to turn you know mm-hmm. the objects and then kind of finish out that product but I feel like you know it sparks the idea that you know digital fabrication maybe can't do everything um, can you just talk about maybe your position on that do you feel like yeah. digital fabrication should be go from start to finish in completing that entire product? Or do you feel like the digital fabrication technologies only go so far? Or that they maybe should be utilized for only specific things, and then maybe by hand finishing out that product?
0: Well, it's it's kind of an interesting dichotomy for me because I started out as a toolmaker where your skill is in your hands, and you are a craftsman. And in my woodworking at home, I was very limited as to what equipment I had. So again, it was the skill that you possess for yourself. But with with today's technology, we have the ability to take that skill that used to exist in only a few people and import it into a piece of CNC equipment. Well, as long as somebody with imagination and skill on the programming end of thing, things uh, is involved in it, you can pretty much duplicate anything. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to replace, you know, the craftsman, because we're not. There's always going to be a place for some someone like that. And some people just want things that are handmade. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Uh, for me personally, I like things to be clean and smooth and finished, and I don't want them to look handmade. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is this is perfect. I mean, with the right equipment, and like I said, we're only lacking a little bit. Uh, you can do anything. Our first order here was a chair for Dunbar Furniture, and the original was built in 1940 two, I think, by Amish craftsmen. So it was handmade. All of it was handmade. And we were able to reproduce it. Every piece of joinery on it, and every joint, every edge was identical to the first one. And we made 90 of them, and the 90th one was exactly the same as the first, which the Amish craftsmen cannot do.
3: Yeah, it is a really interesting situation, I feel, because, you know, something that I was going to bring up was the question of, you know, do you think that the craftsman would go away? And I would honestly agree with you. I think that there's always going to be a need for that craftsman. Um, But also, you know, you brought up a really interesting point that, you know, depending upon the product that you're looking to gain, you know, and how much of that, you know, that definitely kind of determines the output of you know the technology that you're going to use. If you want 100 pieces that look exactly the same, you are going to go more towards digital fabrication and technology mm-hmm. to make that happen because um, you want to make sure that every piece is the same and everybody's getting the same exact quality and, mm-hmm. and product and, and all of that. But you know if on the flip side, if it's someone, like you said, that likes that handmade characteristic value to it, knowing that that person put all their time and energy into that one piece, and a little bit of characteristic quality flex within that. You know, one might not look as similar as the other, so then you know you're getting a really special piece. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about more about that process? On...
0: Well, that, that's very true. I mean, some people want the one, mm-hmm. the one and only of something. Yeah. And, and I get that. It, it's nice to have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to pay a lot of money for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and. Uh, I mean, I've seen some handmade furniture that I absolutely adore, and it's it would take a lot for me to replicate it. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted one, it wouldn't be worth it for me to replicate it, but because by the time I got everything programmed and everything worked out, it would cost more than the handmade one.
4: Mm-hmm. But
0: if somebody wanted a 100 of them, then, or even 20. And it's, uh, it's much more doable.
3: And probably more efficient too, you know, because making even 10 or like a lesser amount, mm-hmm. you know, you, it, you can spit them out quicker and kind of make that and then sure. I go mean, that's, directly.
0: That's one of the groups we're trying to help is, is the craftsman who, uh, who makes custom pieces or close to custom pieces. And he might have a chair that took him Four weeks to make, and somebody sees it and loves it and wants a dozen of them. Well, that's a year's worth of work. Yeah. And who wants to wait a year for their chairs? So.
3: Yeah, we are in this kind of fast-paced society where yeah. people want things like as soon as possible. So it's been even yeah, exactly. Um, Is there, so you talked a little bit about the benefits of the local community. What has that experience been like? Have you felt that, you know, the generator being in its location, has that like strictly kind of just benefited more of the local community or do you feel like there's more people outsourcing this from out of the area?
0: Right now it's it's primarily benefiting the local because we haven't advertised Mm. at all. So everything is word of mouth. And I mean, at times we've been three months, There had three months backlog on our schedule. Uh, So we've been quite busy. It's kind of evening out a little bit now, especially with the expansion will be even better. Uh, But once I imagine once we do start advertising that we're going to again be inundated. But we've had people from uh, they had a show by creators, or for creators, a contest for innovation, and it was right next door. So they had the, the people, some of them wandered over and, and saw what we were doing, mm-hmm. and one of them actually contracted us to, to build a piece for that we did. Uh, we've had people from as far away as Italy hear about us, and I don't know how they heard about us, but they did. And actually came through to to see what we could do, and we haven't uh, haven't made anything for them yet, but I'm hopeful that we can.
3: Yeah. So I guess right now, um, if somebody wanted to find the generator and utilize that capability of the machinery of the service how would they go about to getting in contact with you? Is there a website that they can kind of look and see what the process is? Or, you know, or is it just kind of a happenstance, word of mouth, like you were saying, coming into the shop? Or even what does it look like, I guess, for the person out of the area trying to gain this service?
0: Well, there is. Congdon Yards has a website. I don't think the generator has one yet. I believe that's in the works but they can find the contact for There is a section about the generator on the convent yards, and if they wanted to get in contact, there's information there uh, for them to do it. Most of the people have just heard it from somebody, and a lot of the local businesses are aware of us, so if somebody comes in and says, gee, I wish I could. I wish I had some place I could take this to get it done, they, they have directed them to us. So, yeah, it has worked out quite well.
2: Yeah. Um, could you tell us about what kind of products that are made in the generator, or like what are typically asked for uh, when or when being ordered?
0: Sure. There's there's been a couple of a uh, couple of prototypes we've done for a local designer. They were uh, tables. Kind of look like a coffee table and table kind of thing. Uh, we've done a lot of chairs. Chairs uh, are deceptively complicated. There's a lot of complex geometry in a chair, and it makes them difficult to make in traditional methods, especially if you like or if you want to use nice joinery nice strong joinery. So we've gotten a lot of uh, done a lot of work on those. Uh, right now they're. Right uh, they are running, we are running some parts uh, for middle school kids. We, uh, they're coming to visit actually tomorrow and we gave them each a piece of paper with a rectangle in it and said you draw something in there, uh, primarily an outline. But some of them put a lot of detail in there too, so we're, we're actually making those parts for them so when they come tomorrow they can get a, a piece made to their drawing. So those are kind of neat, there's a lot of interesting, uh, (laughs) interesting designs. Mm -hmm.
3: So with that said, is there an openness to bringing in student culture um, within the generator, kind of like opening it up to, you know, all ages and ranges um, from student work, maybe within school, maybe if somebody doesn't have the capabilities of a workshop, for example, um, within their school district or whatnot. Um, and they want to kind of outsource and use these facilities, are they able to do so? Is there an age range that you know you would like to typically work with just because of maybe the safety hazards mm-hmm. and whatnot?
0: This is the first school group um, that we've brought or that we're working with. There is another one, I believe, that is going to be coming in. Um, I don't, you met Robin. Uh, she is actually overseeing that and of you know bringing school kids in because we'd like to show them at an early age that a wood shop doesn't have to be dirty and grimy and uh, you know up to your waist and sawdust and covered in grease the rest of the way it just doesn't have to be like that yeah. and you not every kid is made to go to school but I, or college mm-hmm. some of them are just not made for that and there are there still are ways for people to make a good living uh, without going to college and there's a shortage probably across the world but at least in our country in the skilled trades for people because everybody was told to go to college. Mm -hmm. Sometimes
3: you think um that maybe in this environment of working actually physically building like seeing how the process is from start to finish. It's a little bit more like rewarding or, you know, knowledgeable. You feel like you are at the end of it because you have put all of, like I said, your time and energy mm-hmm. into that one piece. You know, when things are going to fail, you know, or you can at least see and acknowledge why those things are failing. I think, you know, cause it's interesting going to school. It's so easy to say, I'm going to make this thing. But once you kind of go to actually make it, it doesn't exactly work out the way that you anticipate mm-hmm. it to. So, you know, for example, that's why I was asking before if, like, what are the capabilities of the machinery? Because, you know, if somebody's gonna bring this in, maybe, you know, you would step in and say, oh, that's not really gonna work. Maybe you would have to do it by hand, or mm-hmm. maybe give a suggestion as to, well, if you want to do it this way, then you're probably gonna have to tailor it, kind of give up some part of the design to, Fulfilling that kind of desire, I guess.
0: Oh yeah, we uh, somebody just recently contract contacted me. Uh, they were designed a kid's game uh, with. I only got a photograph of of some of the parts, but they're like animal shapes. And to look at them, we couldn't duplicate it exactly because of, it was made by hand. You know, it has sharp internal corners, which we can, can't do. Uh, but we could redesign it a little bit and then be able to mass produce it. So that, uh, that exists. But yeah, I mean, if you look at, compare working in a trade to going to college, at the end of four years of college, you've got a big uh, pile of debt. If you've been working for those four years, you've got a big pile of money.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting kind of dynamic that occurs. And mm-hmm. it's a big choice, you know. Yeah. So, like you said, not everybody desires to do one versus the other. So, it's good to have a little bit more of an option as to what the future looks like. And I feel like, you know, as digital fabrication and technology kind of evolves, there's more of an openness for it. And the conversation kind of is no longer just you have to do this or you should do this mm-hmm. versus that, you know. So... I guess um, with that said, what does the process look like when somebody has, I know you said if somebody is interested in kind of using the service, they come in with either a photograph or as much detail as they want, whether it's a sketch, a photograph, or whatnot. Um, then what does that process look like after it's done? Is it kind of handed off to you and then you take the reins on kind of putting it into a software that kind of spits it into the technology, the machinery, or do the clients kind of fulfill that process and kind of work to understand each moment that occurs through that?
0: Well, we work together with them. Uh, You know, there are parts of their design that are not quite manufacturable or would be easier if we did something a little bit different you know we will work with them i'll talk to them if they're open to that i can model that up and show it to them so that they can see an actual what it would look like instead of just uh you know in their head Uh, so it goes back and forth like that we might go back and forth 20 times uh, if we're having trouble kind of Tying it down, but most people uh, tell me what they want. I suggest the changes that I think might be beneficial, and they say okay. And then I model that, show them the model, and they said, "Yeah, that looks great." Yeah. So you know, then we can go directly into into the machining software. Yeah.
3: yeah. And you said earlier that you had previous. Um, experience and knowledge with working with uh, woodworking and metal work. Now is the primary material here used in the generator um, wood specifically or is it, can you incorporate more plastics or metal into it?
0: The machines are made for wood and, and or plastic. So most plastics we can, we can cut just as well as wood. Uh, anything that's harder than Plastic. The machines aren't quite rigid enough for that. When you get into metals, everything is much bigger and heavier and more solid. So, I mean, that is another area we might be delving into is uh, trying to expand our offerings into metalworking as well. Sheet metal or regular machining of metal. With sheet metal, you can use laser cutters uh, and press brakes to. To bend it up into a whatever. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I was, you know, kind of interested because, you know, previously I had read kind of an article about digital fabrication and how it can be used as more of a connection between the past and the present. So, for example, maybe something was destroyed, um, and now they're starting to utilize digital fabrication as the I guess kind of the corrector as to finish that piece. So for example, if a vase is kind of broken, you have now this like artifact that, you know, using digital technologies and fabrication, they're using 3D printers, laser cutters, whatever the need is to kind of create that piece that finishes it once again. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of highlighting that idea. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think that maybe that could be used as the future for digital technology? Or where do you see even that evolving? Maybe specifically within the generator, or it doesn't have to be connected at all? Mm -hmm. I'm just curious as to your thoughts.
0: Well, I think 3D printing is, um, it's got a wide open future. Every. I wouldn't say every day, but every every year at least, they're coming out with machines that use different materials. Yeah. They have some now that will work with carbon fibers. They have some that will work with metals. So you know, pretty soon you're going to be able to print anything you want. Mm-hmm. And it may not be perfect. It may not be exactly what somebody, you know, handmade, just like the woodworking is. not yeah. But it will be nice and it will be serviceable
3: yeah it's really interesting too because I think you know more recently people are starting to like I said understand that you know it's not just one versus the other anymore um but maybe more so do you think that digital fabrication and technology is starting to overwhelm um the idea of that, you know, original craftsman. I know we talked a little bit about how we don't think it's ever going to go away Mm -hmm. um, in our opinions, but do you think that there's going to be a point where digital fabrication starts to kind of overpower it more so? Um, I'm just thinking because right now, since it is so new and fresh, the technologies here and the techniques, maybe it's kind of just the situation of the era that we're in. Um, Do you think it'll ever kind of level out?
0: I think it will level out. Um, the technolo- thing about technology is it's always changing and it's always moving and it's always going forward. Um, the old methods, the traditional methods of doing things are kind of stagnant. They are to the level where they can go. Um, you, know, you can't really go much farther than that. Even the, the people who have developed a lifetime of skill There's only so much of that skill that you can impart to another person. And then they have to spend that time to develop the skills. And there will always be a need for that. Yeah. As a a skilled tradesman, I don't think that will ever go away. So I think the two of them do complement each other. I don't think it's going to be one or the other. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's just an interesting idea, I think, because, you know, More often than not, I feel like when I was first introduced to schooling and architecture and everything that, you know, kind of goes through that furniture, product design, whatnot, um, you kind of are first introduced to the woodshop. And then as you start to learn these new technologies, you start to forget the old ones. So that's why I'm just curious as to how, you know, you might feel that evolve kind of process Mm -hmm. is undergone. Um, But how do you feel? Or what do you feel the future of the generation, the generator will look like? Do you think that you're going to be incorporating more technologies? If so, which ones are you interested in bringing in? You mentioned a little bit earlier the laser cutters, mm-hmm. yeah. or maybe 3D printing or something, just to kind of open up the doors a little bit more to new materials, new technologies.
0: Oh mm-hmm. well, yeah, we are. Uh, we would like to incorporate as many different aspects and materials as we can so you know it all depends on the funding we're, we're able to get um, right now we are trying to get the generator to a point where it's self-sustaining and we're very close to that so that as we move forward and expand that we'll be able to just bring things on and develop them until they also are self-sustaining and being part of the Chamber, it's not like we're in it to make money. That's not our main goal. Our main goal is to help businesses and individuals. So in, in branching out into the different materials and different aspects of things, uh, I think we'll always, we'll always be growing to a certain extent.
3: And what materials specifically do you think are, I guess, I know that probably more typically wood is utilized for you know these sort of technologies but do you think that there's a material that people have been lacking in using and maybe should use more because i know i've only i've had primary experience working with wood but then just recently i've kind of had the idea of utilizing plastics Mm -hmm. within the cnc or foam or something do you feel like there's there's more of a materiality that can be diverted and utilized more or do you hope to see you know the community using something a little bit more interestingly what are your thoughts on that
0: well I think there's there's an unlimited uh, amount of combinations you can come up with and if you're making um, artistic pieces or one-of-a-kind things or very low-value it's more suited to that because you can, you know, you can kind of play with it a little bit, and you don't have to worry so much about how is this going to perform for a hundred years, um, because it's not really, it's not really meant to be used like traditional furniture. They're more of an artistic thing, and you can, you can, uh, like I said, there's a there's an unlimited amount, and as the technology grows, especially. In the 3D printing area, uh, you're going to find more and more different materials that are being able to be printed. So that's going to that's going to help a lot. You know, even if you make a wooden part and your joints are all made out of something else, carbon fiber, for instance, or uh, some type of plastic, or even metal. You know, if you want uh,
1: you want to machine
0: a joint that each you know, each side of the joint connects to a piece of wood or a piece of plastic or something like that. That's almost unlimited. It's all limited by your imagination, anyway.
3: That's really interesting. So you kind of spoke a little bit on something that made me think of, you know, my next kind of divergence into the conversation. But you spoke saying that, you know, maybe some pieces are made out of wood and then some pieces are made out of plastic and then they're kind of put back together. Do you think that if you are going to be using the digital fabrication technologies within a project, um, do you think that all of the pieces should be kind of produced or I guess should I say, um, do you think that the piece should be fully developed using digital fabrication or do you think that, you know, if you are going to use that that service that you should just let the machine do all of the work, make it easier for yourself? Or do you think it is a combination of the both?
0: Well, I think everything is a combination of some sort. So it, it all depends on what the client wants. You know, if they, want, if they already have their design and they want this and they want it made out of this, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, if they're open to suggestion and they want something that's a little different or a little more interesting, you know, then we can uh, explore those those aspects.
3: Perfect. Well, I think that just brings us, you know, as a, a conclusion to this conversation. Katie, do you want to kind of
2: yeah. finish with our most famous yeah, question? Yeah, our most famous question is if you can go back and give advice to your younger or student self, knowing everything you know now, what would it be?
0: So a lot of things in my misspent youth that I could I change. Could <laughs> <laughs> um, boy, I'm not sure.
3: It could be with, you know, just your experience mm-hmm. in anything, you know, woodworking, metalwork, digital technology and fabrication, or it could just be general knowledge that you've kind of experienced.
0: Well, I'd probably tell myself to find the lady over there earlier than I did.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I guess um, that's all for this episode of A Student's Perspective. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: You're welcome. It's my pleasure.
3: Yeah. And, you know, catch us next week as the conversation continues.
1: We hope you like this discussion with the design industry from a student's perspective. Please like, share, and comment. And stay tuned for more inspiring conversations to come.